You're listening to audio from Plank Row Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org. And um, encouragement there, a guy needs to be encouraged every now and then. Um, I appreciate that, and uh, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to dwell on that too much. I do thank you for that. I do, as best I can, to care for you all, and I know sometimes I, I botch that. So be merciful on me when I goof it up and know that my, my desire is to lead you closer to the Lord. That's the main goal that I have, and uh, I'm not trying to... Um, confuse anyone by what's taught, but I want you to be growing closer and closer to the Lord each day so that you can stand on your own two feet and grow spiritually on your own as well as you study the word for yourself. So let's, I appreciate you guys uh, doing that for me this morning. I was going to start off in the book of Matthew, but before you turn there, you might as well go to Ezekiel. So I had a message prepared for you this morning, and then what happened in Israel happened. And so I do want to start in Matthew because I think that's where we go next. And um, it's the things that we need to know to survive in a, in a culture that hates us. And, it, and I know many people don't believe that. They think that they can kind of go hand in hand with the culture or just not make a wave. And it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that way. You're going to be forced to take a side. To take no side is to take a side. It's just to take the side of the losing team. Okay? Or actually the more powerful influence. When you don't, when you don't choose, when you choose not to make a choice, you've made a choice. You've chosen to go with the other team. And that's just how it is. Okay, so let's look at Ezekiel. So something happened in Israel this morning, or actually yesterday. And so Hamas started bombing them, started shooting rockets in there, a couple thousand rockets, maybe as many as 5,000. Between, I mean, any number, you can pick the number. When people start dying like that and, and you start getting shelled, Kind of the numbers are hard to to measure sometimes. Between two and 600 people have been killed so far. Thousands injured. Many kidnapped, drug into Palestinian-held territory. Um, and, the, and, and here's what happened. Let me, let me tell you how this starts. Let me tell you how it starts in our own country. So what happened was, years ago, after the 1967 war, after this 1973 war, Yom Kippur right? 73, right? Then this happened on the last day, one day difference from the, the last time they fired it up. Dates are big and very important to, to Muslims and, and haters of Jews, and so they did it on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So the people are in their little sukkahs out in their little tents, living at peace. We're going to see it right here in this book. Living at peace. Unwalled cities, just hanging out. And they think they were at peace. Peace, peace, but there is no peace. And so what happened was years ago, they thought, well, what we'll do is we'll try to appease the bad guys, we'll try to appease the enemies, and we'll try to coexist with the enemy. And we say, well, we don't want to be enemies, we want to be kind, we do want to be kind to people. We don't want the Arabs to hate us, we do, we want to love the Arab, we want to love the Muslim as best we can, we want to lead them to Christ. But when a person has a completely polar opposite mindset that you have, what you're going to have is conflict. And I... Dare I say again, this is not what I had prepared for this morning, but I really felt prompted by God to, to read this to you this morning, okay? And, um, and I think we'll get a little bit of Matthew in there, but we'll see. 
So you, what you did was you got two teams. And these aren't football teams. This isn't Alabama and Tennessee where they just dislike each other, Florida and Alabama, Florida. And, it's not that. This is I want you dead teams. Israel desiring to live at peace. We have this other team that wants to see them dead. They actually train their children to kill them. They actually have like vacation Bible school of their flavor, vacation Muslim school, where they actually teach children, little children, to, to desire to take the life of Israeli people, Jewish people. Okay? So we got that going on. Their government, in trying to live at peace, just like our government does, we got two different polar opposite views. We got a conservative and liberal view, right? And we're going to try and live together at peace. And it's just not possible. You got godless and you got godly. You have righteous and you have unrighteous, and they don't mix together. If the salt shall lose its saltiness, well, what effect will it have? So if you take a thing of salt and you keep adding the filth of the world into the salt, before long, you're not eating the salt. It has no power to savor its food, to savor your food. It's not good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. That's what it says. And what that means is they had a salt that was so low in saltiness that they would use it to kill the weeds along the sidewalks, sort of. They just used it like a fertilizer. It, it had no purpose for the body. So what happened was they were diluted. They were diluted and they were deluded into thinking they could live at peace with these people. But these people want to kill them but we'll do more nice stuff for them. But they don't care if you do nice stuff for them. They want to kill you. So what do they do? They bomb them. And even in the bombings, even in retaliation from Israel, what they try to do where it's, it's non-selective bombing from the Palestinian bunch, the Jews try to attack only military sites. The Palestinians are not so. They don't care. It's indiscriminate. They want to kill them all. It's sad what's going on. But it's the wickedness of men portrayed among men. We, we should know that that's what men are. One thing that the Bible does is it reveals to us what we really are at our core. And you say, well, I'm not that way. You're capable of being that way. There's no one righteous. No, not one. There's none who seeks after God, not even you. In your natural state, you would do the same thing. If you were trained the same way, you were trained to think that way, you would do the same exact thing. You say, that's not possible. It was possible in World War II with Hitler's Germany. It was very possible. You start training children that Jews are like dogs or like they're dirt or they're, they're uh, retarded or they're uh, uh, mentally ill, they're worthless, and before long they have no value, and before long you have no problem killing them at all. And see, that kind of training goes on in our colleges today and in our schools today. And they tell us that this group of people over here, they have more value than this group of people over here. And what it does, it causes conflict within a nation. Before long, nation people of the same country hate each other. And we got guys running over people holding conservative signs in the streets, right, with their car. It happened. It happened in the U.S. We have Antifa killing people. We have other people trying to take down state. We got the same thing. It's the same thing. It's out of control. It's where men control other men by, by training their children over periods of time to hate one another. And that's, that's the end. you're seeing the end result. We say, well, maybe it's just a thing that's happening there. It never happened here. It's just happening there. It's because it's the Jews, and they're a mess anyway, and, and they need to be, you know, whatever. They're getting their just desserts because they haven't been as nice to the Palestinians as they should have. Again, I say, we got two flavors of people. We have the godly and the ungodly. We got the righteous and the unrighteous. We have those that hate us, and we're trying to incorporate them into their society and say, okay, you can be in our government. 
and it ain't going to work, and it never will work. I want you to look at Ezekiel and see if this was ever prophesied in God's word that this day would come. Let's look at Ezekiel. Start in verse 37. Ezekiel 37, chapter 37, and we'll start at verse uh, 19. Yeah, Ezekiel 37, 19. So in the day of David, we had two nations. We had Judah and Israel. The name of Israel is, uh, their, their official name is the country of Israel of the Jews. Okay? So what happened when Israel come back to be a country, we have the Jews and we have, we have Jews of Judah and we have Israel. Didn't know that, did you? There's two of them. But it says right here that they're going to become one again. Verse 19, say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I'll take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, that's where uh, uh, Jerusalem in that area is down there, and the tribes of Israel and his companions, so that's the, the northern tribes there, and I will join them with the stick of Judah and make them one stick. Used to be multiple sticks, 12 tribes. Now there's one stick. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I'll take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Did that happen? Yes, 1947. 1948, right in there. And then it was solidified in the 67 war and solidified and expanded in the 73 war. Okay? Stabilized. And I will make them one nation in the land. Has that happened? Yes. They're one nation in the land. Jews and Israelites are one people in the land of Israel now, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms. Again, this has been completed. It's already happened. It hadn't happened in this day. The dispersion put Jews all over the world, and all over the world, they were from all over the world, they were called back. And there's a scripture that says, I'll send the hunters out after them, I'll send the fishermen after them, and I'll drag them back. So what did he do? What did God do to get the Jews back in Israel? Well, World War II. And then they started, as the nation became built up again, where did they try to escape to? Back to the homeland. And they started trying to get back there. Why? Because the hunters and the fishermen were hunting them and fishing them out. And they had to escape, and they had to get back with their people. I don't believe that this next part is completed yet. They shall not defile themselves, verse 23, anymore with their idols because they're still defiling themselves. There's home, it's like the only nation in the Middle East where homosexuality is, is uh, considered as okay and it's, it's not necessarily, it is promoted there. And they have their own uh, problem with detestable things as in worshiping uh, or doing things on the Sabbath or eating pork and things like that nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I'll be their God. David, my servant, shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. This is to come. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwell, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I'll make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I'll establish them and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle, oh, what happened? 
My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Why is this Feast of Tabernacles the time to attack Israel every year? Or every time? The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. This is important. Verse chapter 38, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. This is uh, considered Russia. Okay? Now before you get all crazy and you're like, well, Russia ain't over there doing nothing right now. Russia has some of their shock troops and some of their better trained troops in Syria right now. They have been there for a while, kind of training up the Syrians, which is right on the kind of the northern side of Israel there. Um, I mean, they're not there, you know, because they're making Girl Scout cookie batches to sell in Israel. They're there because they're fixing to do wicked things. Gog and Magog, Meshech and Tubal, the prophecy against them, they say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaw and lead you out. He's going to drag them. Just like the Lord drug Israel back into Israel from the nations, he's going to drag Russia into this mess. I'll turn you around and lead you out with all your army, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. They're going to look like th this is a no-win situation. I mean, let not the king who puts on his armor gloat like the king who removes his armor. I mean, you can look really good in, um, uh, you watch these pro, pro fighters, MMA fighters, whatever, you can come in there and look absolutely studly. It's the one who walks out of the ring who's the king, not the one who walks in. Persia, that's Iran, uh, today Iran, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its truth. Many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready. You and all your companies, Israel, that are gathered about you and be a guard for them is coming. When I wrote that, I, I wrote that um, devotional, I wrote that like on Tuesday but it completely goes with this. It says, man the forts. Get your stuff on. Be ready. Protect the gates. Be ready. Prepare yourself. Be ready. After many days, you'll be visited. In the latter years, you'll come into the land uh, of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. This is the negative. This is the bad guys coming. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you'll make an evil plan. Oh, they did that. And you'll say, I'll go up against the land of unwalled villages. I'll go up to a peaceful people who dwell safely and all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder, to take booty, that's to steal their wealth, to stretch out your hand against uh, the waste places that are again inhabited. Did you know that when uh, Mark Twain visited Israel back in the day, it was like a big desert? Mark Twain went there, 1850s thereabout. The Arabs were running through there. If you, I mean, they were just stealing, pillaging and everything. And all this big desert has all been a big watered plain now, and they're producing all kinds of fruits and vegetables all over Israel. It was a desert, and they brought a desert back to life. In this day, when they're looking at it, they're looking at it as a desert. 
And, there's, and God's saying, it's going to be an inhabited place. There's going to be farms and orchards and all this beautiful land, flowers and fruits and vegetables. And, when, and, and they're like, this thing's a desert. But God does what he says he's going to do. And against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, all their young uh, lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Or to asking each other, we are fixing to put it on these boys. That's what they're saying. They're defenseless. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God on that day, when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you'll come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. And you'll come against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. And it'll be in the latter days that I'll bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? They don't believe it. You know what? I'm going to tell you something about Russia. Um, Vladimir Putin quotes the Bible a lot. One of the things that Putin is doing in Ukraine is he sees himself, he said this, you can find it on YouTube, him saying this, Uh, he sees himself as the one that moves Gog and Magog in the last days. He sees himself as that man. Okay? So in his spirit, it's not like he doesn't know What's going on? He's reading the Bible, and he sees himself as the man God has chosen, but he sees Gog and Magog as victorious and not as beaten. It will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. I got I to read this to you. I couldn't believe it. They sent, a guy sent it to me this morning. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beasts of the fields, all creeping things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. So there's going to be a great earthquake. In my opinion, I could read that and I could see that as a political thing, an economic thing where all people are shook. The, the Taliban asked Iran yesterday if Iran would allow them to pass through Iran from Afghanistan to take part in an attack on Israel right now. This happened yesterday. Let me read this to you. More than 2,000 people have died after a powerful earthquake struck western Afghanistan, the Taliban said Sunday, as the nation reels from another quake at the time of deep economic crisis, the 6.3 magnitude earthquake struck on Saturday, 25 miles west of the Herat city in the western Herat province, third largest in Afghanistan. This happened October 8, 2023. That was yesterday. It's probably just a coincidence, I'm sure. I will call for a sword 
against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I'll bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I'll rain down on him on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I'll be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and I will lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand. I'll, I'll knock your ability to defend yourself and to fire weapons out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I'll give you to birds of prey and every sort of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field for I have spoken, says the Lord God. I'll send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord, for I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name any more. Then the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Surely it is coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and bucklers, the bows, arrows, javelins, and spears, They'll make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the fire nor cut down any from the forest because they'll make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. It will come to pass in that day that I'll give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers because they will bury Gog and all his multitude. They will call it the valley of Haman Gog. Obstruct travelers. You know the number one uh, money-making scheme for Israel is tourism. It says he's going to obstruct travelers by, you think you're, anybody's going to Israel this week? Ain't nobody going over there. One of the things that are going on. I want to say this. I, I don't know all the political ins and outs of the stuff that we do. Uh, President Biden just released uh, $6 billion back to Iran to try to get some prisoners back. A lot of that money, they've already tracked it. It went back to buying uh, rockets for Hamas. Okay, that's, that's a good call, bad call. Then, uh, and then uh, he tweeted out early in the morning when this first started, he tweeted out that he asked Israel not to respond in kind, though they were being attacked, but to just sit there and take it. And then they took that back down off of it. So I want you to know that I don't think people in the United States of America have the heart for what's going on over there. Uh, the thing about Israel is everyone fears it because they know that it's kind of the, we call it get it on you. We got this one kind of thing that you put, it's called never seize. You put it on a bolt. You can have a little tiny dot right here on the bolt. Before you're done, you'll have it all over your body. You don't even know how it goes. That's how Israel is. If you touch Israel, you're going to have it on you. You're going to have it all over you. And nobody wants to be taken down by a, a, a nation of 9 million people. But if you want to know what God's doing, watch Israel, because those are his people. And Jerusalem, for whatever reason, that's his spot. That's his city. That's his place. And he's not going to let them do whatever. So we can watch this from a distance. I'm not a prophet. I don't believe I'm a prophet. I mean, I can read what the book says, and I can look at the thing, and I can prophesy to you of I can tell you, like, this is where this looks like this is going. I can tell you that. 
but I didn't re- receive a vision from God and, you know, like, like John or anything like that. And for me to tell you this, I will tell you that this morning, I was, this was brought to mind for me to tell you this today. I had something else prepared, and this is what I'm telling you. And you can use it how you want. I'm not telling you this to scare you. Um, but I am telling you this to warn you. That there is a God, and it says that all nations are going to know that he's the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, because of what he does in Israel. Is this the last war that will ever occur in Israel? I don't know. Is there a lot of stuff that's going on in the world that seems to point to this kind of world-ending event? Yeah. It really does. There's super negative things going on all over the world. It's, it's going like, like our, our team is in Guatemala right now, and because of communism coming up um, through South America into the, into the Central America, the influence of communism is so great that all these countries are confused by it. We beat it in the Soviet Union, we thought, in Reagan's day. And all they did was took it from there and put it in South America. And it's creeping up South America, and it's here. 30 million plus or minus people have come to the United States in the last two and a half years, illegal immigrants of one nation or another. But their mental influence has been from this communist thing. They're here. So if you offer them some olive leaf of communism, guess what? They're going to grab onto it. Young people are confused by it. Our own young people are confused by it, and they think, well, it's better at least I get one piece of bread a day. It's not better. It's never better. Communism, Marxism, socialism, it's from the evil one, and it's a destroyer of good things. But people are going to do what they do because they turned their back on God. Israel's going to take some discipline here. Israel is not a super godly country. About 15% of Israel is considered orthodox. That is those that are truly seeking God. And that's not necessarily Christian, just orthodox. So that means 85% of Israel is secular. That means that 85% of Israel is probably like 85% of the United States. You know what we have here? We have Christmas Christians. Come Christmas time for a couple weeks, and then we get to put on the, the Santa suit and go around and say, you know, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to people, and we kind of, you know, put a little crash with baby Jesus out there, and we get to focus on that for just a second. But that's the limit of our understanding and knowledge of who the Most High God is. And Israel's the same way. 85% of their population has no desire for God. They just don't, it's not that they hate God, they just don't have they just don't have a, a, a yearning desire for him to intercept and, and interject and do in their lives. They just don't have it because it, it interferes with the stuff that they really want to do and be and think and act and, you know, the sports and the eating out and the going to places and the parties and the drinks and the, and the culture and the, and the art. We're just like them. The, the, the remnant is so small in Israel. The remnant is so small in the United States that if God's people do not awaken and do, we're going to be just like them. We're going to get swept up. We have the potential to be swept up in whatever's going on over there. It's, it's the Israel is the, what do you call it, where the guy makes his, uh, where the, um, the iron maker, you know, you know, he has his ore what do you call that thing? You got your coal in there and you heat it up? Yeah, the blacksmith. And he's got his coals in there and he's got the heat going. That's Israel. 
And every nation is the steel that's brought over there and burned bright red and then pounded into shape on Israel. And you know what? It never changes Israel. God is the blacksmith. Israel's the coal and you're the weak iron. And you're fixing to be beaten flat. And every nation that goes against Israel is fixing to be beaten flat over there on the coals that is Israel. And it's going to be terrible. So what do we do? I wanted to read you this. This was out of this letter. I just happened to get it. Um, so they had the two-state solution back in the day. And uh, the idea was is that you know, there would be a place for Palestine and a place for Israel. But it's not going to work because Palestine hates Israel. Israel is willing to give up stuff. Palestine is not. So-called Palestine. There is no such thing as Palestine. No such thing as a Palestinian. It's a name, kind of a play on words from the Philistines back in the day, if you know that or not. Um, even Jordan is a made-up nation. There's no such thing as a Jordanian. They're just Arabs that needed to get displaced there when they give Israel the land. Do you know that? They're not even a real people, Jordanians. They just Arabs that live in Jordan. But the Jews, they're a real people. They can track themselves all the way back to Abraham. There's a man named Smotrich, and he's working his way up in the government of the Knesset. That's Israel's government. And he denies that the Palestinians have a right to self-identify as a nation within the land. He criticizes Israel leaders for trying to manage the conflict for decades, which only brought more deaths and declining global support for Israel. His plan is based on three principles. The two-state solution is unrealistic and should not be pursued. Number two, the return of Israel to the land after 2,000 years of exile and persecution is a historic, moral, and just imperative. It's got to be done. God told him to do it. Just occupy the land. Do what you're told to do. Be obedient to whatever it is God tells you to do. Man, you're in there. The notion that the Arabs can't be discouraged from having a national expression like citizenship or a state in the land of Israel is incorrect. They need to be discouraged. They don't have... They don't have an inheritance in the land. When Charlie Alva dies, he's a wealthy guy, you don't know it. He's, he plays it on the down low. He's got all this stuff, right? He's got three kids. If I send my kids to Charlie's house on the day of his death, when they're reading the will, my kids ain't getting squat. They're not his kids. His kids get the, the inheritance. It's Israel's land. They get the inheritance trying to make a place for people that aren't of Abraham. It's not that they're not of Abraham, but they're not of Israel. They are of Abraham. They're through Ishmael. But they're not of Israel. It's not their land. Don't give away to them just because they're threatening to you what's not theirs. It's okay to save your inheritance for your children. It's okay. Israel needs to do that. And you know what's happening is that's coming to effect. The Jewish people that live there are starting to recognize that they've goofed up by including all these Arabs in the decision-making process. You include the bad guys in how you make decisions, and before long, they're going to have more influence than the good guys do. And that's what happened there. And thank God they got a Benjamin Netanyahu guy in charge right now. So... When the world falls apart, and we can watch it fall apart, and we can watch it come apart, and it's discouraging to watch, what do we do? What can we do? And you say, well, I'm here, and they're there. Well, let me ask it like this. If you woke up this morning, 
when we were in, we were in, uh, we had dug these fighting positions, right? We had just got to the Persian Gulf. And they're like, well, you guys might want to dig some fighting positions, you know, some dig some holes um, uh, in case we receive any kind of artillery fire or something like that. And there was a couple holes here and there. And uh, that night, um, uh, we got uh, a rocket rocket attack, and one was like a 4,000-pound frog missile, and it hit about from here probably to the Obed River. And I'm going to tell you, 4,000 pounds of ordnance in one shot is terrifying. And that's close. You don't realize how close that is. 4,000 pounds is your car full of HE, full of high explosive, blowing up at the Obed River. Okay? And it shakes the earth. I'm going to tell you what, you want to talk about fighting positions? There was some digging people after that. See, we hadn't seen that hit us. And so we haven't made any preparation. The people were dwelling in tents. The people were dwelling in sukkahs this last week. They weren't thinking anything about getting shelled. But I'm going to tell you, when the shelling comes, you've never seen people dig. I guarantee you can dig like a dadgum, uh, what's that thing, groundhog. You'll have holes everywhere. There was four foot, five foot. You had to be careful at night because you'd fall in one. And they were so deep. We're not prepared. But I'm giving you the warning. It could happen here. You don't think it's going to happen here. But those people didn't think it was going to happen there. The people in New York on 9-11 didn't think it was going to happen there. What do we do as believers when we read God's word and we see that discipline does come to nations? Is there anything we can do? Well, of course there is. He doesn't want us to be fearful, but he does want us to be ready. He told the Israelites what they were supposed to do. What were they supposed to do? Pray that it didn't come on a Sabbath. What kind of Sabbath? Every Saturday, they got to pray every Saturday, nothing happens. It's like a big Sabbath, like a, a feast day. Pray that it doesn't happen in the winter. You want to go out to the woods right now and cross? Well, I bet hardly anybody here, except for Lynn Davis and some of you old country boys, would hardly know what you could eat in the woods out there. You don't want to be in the woods trying to find food for the winter, I'm going to tell you. Not around here. Maybe in Texas. Maybe in Florida. But not here. You're going to be hungry. You'll be eating bark. (laughs) There ain't much growing here. Pray it happens in the summer. Pray it happens in the spring. Pray it happens in the fall. Anytime where there's some fruit or something to eat, right? But not in the winter. That'd be terrible. Well, I guess they got their, their wish. It happened in the fall. What do we do? The first thing it says for us to do, it was in Psalm 122. I had, um, you can dog me if you want, Mr. Mr. Alva, but Psalm 122 tells us what to do. When we see stuff happening in Israel, we need to pray for Jerusalem, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In our own country, we're praying for peace all the time because we don't want conflict. Conflict's terrible. We don't like conflict. We don't like other people conflicting with us. We don't want to argue. We don't like road rage. We don't like when we lose our temper driving the car around. We don't like conflict in, the, in our marriage. We don't like conflict in our you know, commercial life. We don't want conflict. But I'm going to tell you, part of living with wicked and sinful men is conflict. What do you do when there's conflict? The Bible tells us what to do. How's it go? First Thessalonians. What do we do? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know what I can rejoice as as I see this happen in Israel? I think it's got to be coming closer. 
either tribulation days for us, the Lord's return, both and we don't know, but it's coming closer. It's closer now than it's ever been. What are you doing? Are you preparing yourself? Are you studying to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? Are you doing that? Are you going and proclaiming the gospel to other people so that some might be saved? Paul said he became all things to all men so that some could be saved. Have you learned to talk to a Jewish person or a black person or a Hispanic person or a, or a white person or a, or a Muslim person? A person that doesn't look like a Chinese person, Buddhist, Zoroasterist? Have you, have you kind of considered what it would be to be able to, to help that person understand when super negative things happen, that this could be a sign that the Lord is returning, that he's going to discipline nations? Have you prepared yourself in that way? Do you got God's word hidden in your heart so you might not sin against him? Do you or not? Are you in shape? We used to call them, oh, I didn't come up with this, Marine Corps, called them disgusting fat bodies. If you were two pounds overweight, you were a disgusting fat body. But man, we're a nation of disgusting fat bodies. We're terribly out of shape. We couldn't, we couldn't fight our way out of a wet paper sack. We have the mindset of everything will be provided for us and the government will take care of us and we'll just elect another guy that'll, you're going to have to take care of yourself. Men, you're going to have to take care of your families. You're going to have to be ready to give a word in season and out of season. It's on you. It's on us. You got some groceries put away? Anybody know anything about medical? Could you take care of someone that was injured? Could you take care of someone that was injured physically? Not just spiritually or emotionally or mentally. We all work on that. We read books on you know, giving the person the right word and the right time. What about if a person was actually hurt? That's what the Bible's talking about in James where the elders come and they're anointing them with oil. They're trying to treat the malady. Part of it is prayer for the person, but part of it is if you can't afford doctors, then you've got to take the medical care we can get, just so you know. If you get badly winged, Charlie Alva's a pretty good medic, and Cindy Alva is top secret squirrel uh, nurse. So if you really get down, we can pull them off the bed. Oh, yeah, and, um, and then uh, Kurt and Andrea over there. But, you mean, I hope they're at your house when they drop the washing machine on you is all I can tell you. Amen. Are you willing to dedicate yourselves to the Scriptures and to the obedient following of the Most High? Are you willing to defend the fatherless and the widow and the orphan in distress? Are you willing to pull a person like, the, like they did for the Jews in World War II? Those people are to be honored that pulled the Jews into their homes and cared for them and even sacrificed themselves for others that others could live. Are you willing to do that? You know, in that, that end of 1 Thessalonians 4, um, it talks about the Lord returning with the shout of the trumpet. When those that are dead in Christ shall rise first and the others will rise and meet him in the air. So shall it all ever be. And then encourage one another with these things. Are you reading that? Are you reminding yourself of that? Are you telling anybody else that? Man, do we need that. We're in bad trouble. Our country's in trouble. Israel's in trouble. God's people are getting the discipline that they deserve for years of being the 15 percenters. Is more than 15% of your life directed towards, uh, I mean, you might be of the 15% that's a God-fearing person, but is more than 15% of your life dedicated into seeking the Lord with your whole heart? Or is it like a half a percent on Sunday? Sure hope that guy brings a good word this morning. Man, I need encouragement. You know, that's what they tell me. Sometimes they're like, that was a good word this morning. Sometimes they're like, man, what a downer. 
I'm just telling you what's in the book. It is a downer. It's a downer because men are cruel and wicked and hateful and angry and despising. But God is good. He's good to those that diligently seek him. He says, and I wrote in the thing, seek the Lord while he may still be found. That means that there's a time where he won't be able to be found. What are you going to do? You got to know him now. You got to be filled with the Spirit now. You got to understand the Word of God now. And it's not just me. I got my own battles to fight. <laughs> the other day, um, we got this homeless thing going on here. This is a side note. But a homeless guy went up the, across from my house, if you know the barn where Keith used to live, and went across the pasture there and just went down into my woods there and, and up the creek there. I can't find the guy. He's sly as a fox. You know, all these homeless people, they're going to live somewhere. They can probably be living on you. And when they're living that close to you, that means they're going to be in your stuff. Are you going to care for them? What are you going to do? What about the 30 million, ref, you know, whatever, immigrants, aliens, whatever? What about them? Those people don't all have the same view of who God is as you do. You can either diligently teach them the word of God, or you can assume that their influence will be greater than your own influence on them. We had an invasion, a 30 million person invasion in the last two and a half years, and our own government didn't do anything. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? When they touch you, what are you going to do? So, I want to read you something out of Matthew. Because I don't want you to be without hope. You shouldn't be without hope. You should be filled with hope. Because the God of all creation, Matthew chapter 3, the God of all creation makes a plan for those whom he loves and those that love him. It's a two-way street. There is this love that God has for all mankind, but there's also man, the natural enemy of God. In the end of days, the man who's the natural enemy of God, he will be cast away with the devil and his angels, it says, and he'll be in the outer darkness. But for those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose, he loves them in a different way. His love is the same. His love all-powerful and overreaching and flowing everywhere and everything, but there's two different things going on here. There's those that are the enemies of God that will be judged and those that are of his people. And that's you if you're grafted in and they'll be loved in a different way. Before God does any disciplining of countries, of nations, of people, he sends a messenger because he's good. And so he sent John. Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I want to show you this about about John. It's in Luke. Uh, oh, we don't have time for all that. It's in Luke. You can go and see what John was made of. From the time he was born, uh, the Spirit was indwelled on him. And John was a, a young man that was raised up by his parents in the fear and admonition of the Lord. He was directed, raise up a child in the way he should go, and then when he's old, he'll not depart from it. They, they raised him according to what his, his tendency was, not what they wanted him to be. You know, the Jewish thing of, I want my kid to be a doctor or a lawyer. They, they didn't do that. John had a special calling on him. And the calling was to be a prophet. And they watched John. And John went and he studied the word of God and he sought God's face. And the spirit was within him. And then he went in the wilderness and he called out wickedness. We say, well, it's not very loving to tell people this and that or, or God's a God of wrath. What did John tell them? You brood of vipers. 
The axe is laid to the stump of the tree. The winnowing fan, God's winnowing fan is in his hand and he's going to separate the wheat from the tares and the tares are going to be burned up in the lake that, of fire that's never quenched. That's what John told them. That was pretty tender and soft. Listen, we're so worried about being offensive that we're not telling people that are in terrible danger the truth. But the messengers are always sent. There's, the messengers can be found. The messengers are always sent. God is not a ruthless murderer. He sends messengers, and people have the chance to repent. And then John is a, a, a strong word, and then later we see in John where, uh, as, as in the book of Acts, where people go to those that were disciples of John, and they have to tell them, you know, the second baptism came, Jesus came. He was the, he was the resurrection and the life. And those people immediately turned to Christ. So here's for you. Remember that 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Acts 19, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people, they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Yeshua, Messiah. And when these people heard that, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. John 1, 37, Jesus going to the disciples of John, the two disciples heard Christ speak, and they followed Messiah. Okay? Thing one. In your, in your sphere of influence, if you're young, you got kids, you got grandkids, be a Zacharias, be an Elizabeth. They trained up John to go the way of God. They prepared him, they listened to him, they encouraged him, they built him up. John wasn't perfect. They, they focused him on God's word. They encouraged him to stay in the faith and they encouraged him to do it in the way that God called him to minister. You don't see my son up here preaching. I don't believe it's his calling. Right now it's not. I can't see him doing that. That's not his personality. God's going to call him to a ministry of a different type. It's going to be in medicine maybe. It's going to be in music. He's still doing music things, you know. He's a different person than I am. I can't make him me. You can't make your kids you. But what you can do is make them godly. So work on making them godly. If you, my kids left, they hate me. Okay, sorry. Make your grandkids godly. My grandkids hate me. Okay, work on the neighbor's grandkids then. But there's some young people somewhere that need your guidance and direction like Zachariah and Elizabeth did for John. Go back and read it. It's in Luke. Go back and read how they trained John. And then John, John was a nut. He goes out in the wilderness with a camel hair coat, leather belt, no shoes, and eating bugs and honey. You know, I, he had a place. But here's why John was special. John was always trying to lead people to Christ. He didn't get his feelings hurt when he had a disciple. Alva's my disciple. And then, this, and then Alva meets Christ personally. He don't need me. Christ can have him. Christ can have him. He needs Christ. Our job is to lead people to Christ. Christ will lead them to the Father. You take them to Christ, he'll lead them to the Father. Take them to Christ, he'll lead them to the Father. Well, I want to train him. I thought he was going to be my disciple. I thought he was, I was be able to have him around. And, and okay, maybe for a time. But the goal is to get that person walking on their own. We don't want to be breastfeeding a 20-year-old son. 
We need to turn them over to the bottle. Then we turn them over to the mashed peas. Then we turn them over to the T-bone. When they're on the T-bone, you don't have to breastfeed them anymore. We got to prepare them for Messiah. Messiah prepares them for the Father. Do that. Don't get your feelings hurt. So, so with a family, be a Zacharias or an Elizabeth. Lead, teach, direct, pray for your children, grandchildren, neighbor, kids, somebody close, aunts, uncles, cousins, work on family. And another thing with the nations, be a John. The people in here, these aren't the ones needing saving. The needing saving ones happens when you go out the door. Go out there and bring the gospel to them. You, you don't do the saving. Just give them the word and they'll be saved. Or they won't. They can reject it. So with the nations, be a John. With the family, be a Zacharias. With the nations, be a John. Lead, teach, baptize, pray for, minister to, work on them. I'm telling you, these days are coming. Watch what happens in Israel. If we see an earthquake, economic, social, economic, political, and actual earthquakes happening around the world, shaking the world, causing fear in the world, you know, go back and reread Ezekiel because that's what he says is going to happen. If we see Russia get completely destroyed by some kind of nuclear something or bombing or something that says there by the sea that they'll have a great destruction by fire. We see that? Okay. Looks like we're in the days of Ezekiel. You can, you can prophesy just like I can. You read the book and you watch it happen. But I'm telling you, God is moving right now. And Messiah is closer than he ever was. And so I pray that, not to discourage you, but I pray that you'd be energized to go be a Zacharias or go be a John. Can you do it? Get ready, people. Get in shape. Get some groceries put aside. Read the Word. Can't go wrong with that. I got a song for you I want to play. Um, it's kind of old country version, but it's really good. When it's all coming apart, what can we do? Where can we go? Let's hear this song and then we'll pray. It was perfect. One more try. Living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Strive face temptation so where could I go but to the Lord where could I go oh, where could I go seeking a refuge for my soul needing a friend to save
comfort friends I love so dear. Comfort I get from God's own word. Yet when I face that chilling hand of death, where could I go but to the Lord? Where could I go? Seeking a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to save me in the end. Where could I go but to the to come forward right now and let's pray for our country. We need to pray for our country, people. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Come on. Don't sit there. Today is the day. The wolf is at the gate. The, the enemy wants to destroy us and we're, we're half, half-hearted believers. Let's, let's come up here. Kneel down and pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our our nation, let's pray for Jerusalem. Let's pray for the peace there. If you need to sit, some of you with knee problems, I understand. Let's pray together. Lord, you told us, weep and mourn, pray. Gnash your teeth and cry out, Lord, for your, for your healing on our nation, Lord. Where we've been half-hearted, Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on us. I don't know what we've been thinking. We think it's going to keep going like it is, but, but you're revealing to us, Lord, in these last days, there's going to many, many are going to turn away. Maybe even the elect. Help us, Lord. Lord, have mercy on us, your people. Forgive us for not being bold in our witness, Lord. Father, I do thank you for these. And I, these are good people, Lord. They want to do your will, Lord. Reveal to us who we're supposed to speak to this week. Reveal to us how we're best able to minister to our county and state officials, Lord, that we can speak to them and tell them to, to stop killing children for our federal, our federal government, Lord, so that they would stop murdering children, stop raping women, stop pillaging our, our, our finances of our economy, Lord. Lord, that they would just open the gates wide to invaders, Lord, and, and we wouldn't do anything about it, Lord. 
We see your hand of discipline on our nation, but we're not willing to act, Lord. Give us the boldness to act today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Lord, for these that have come, Lord, I, I pray that you give them confidence and boldness to do your will and to be encouraged to, to go about doing good. We can do good. We know how to do good. You showed us. You gave us the word. Give us the boldness to be active in doing good, seeking the lost, caring for the widow and the orphan and the, and the, and the, and the mentally ill, the afflicted and the oppressed. Lord, help us, Lord, to do right as you've called us to do. Father, be with us now as we've come together, Lord, and we've, we bring these petitions before you, Lord, and ask that you, that you speak to your people, Lord. I pray that if this is the day for Israel, Lord, I pray for security of those that are there. I pray for the Christians. I know those Christians that are there in Aqaba and Acro and, and how they're, you know, they're right on the border, right there at Gaza. I'm sure they've been just bombed to death. I know some of those people may have been harmed. Those are our, we know them, Lord. We've met them before. Have mercy there, Lord. Have mercy on your people. Lord, preserve your people. Lord, I pray you preserve the people of America, those that are believers in Christ. I pray that today there's an awakening, a new awakening, and a, and a uh, I'll return to you, Lord. But if not, Lord, I pray that we remain faithful no matter what anyone else does. Lord, I pray for these. Father, thank you for your goodness today and your long-suffering toward us, your mercies. You forget our iniquities, and you forgive us our transgressions. Your benefits are great, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we're, we're so thankful, Lord, for your goodness towards us. And we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in the name that is above every name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Yeshua, Messiah. Amen.